Welcome to the Naturopathic Business Podcast, the number one podcast on business and marketing for the everyday naturopathic doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Gonzalez, and I'm so excited that you're tuning in. My main goal here is to help you learn everything about the business side of naturopathic medicine. Here's a little background. After graduating naturopathic medical school in 2018, I realized I had no idea how to run a business, let alone start one. So I did the one thing I knew how to do best, research. I began to research all the things about starting a practice, and in doing so, I wound up interviewing other successful doctors. By the end of it, I had fallen in love with the business side of medicine and decided it was gonna be my goal to share it with as many naturopathic students and doctors as possible. And that's how the Naturopathic Business Podcast was born. I've helped hundreds of students and doctors across the U.S. learn more about starting their practice, building their brand, and marketing it to the world. And the best news is, I have no intention of stopping anytime soon. So again, welcome to the show. And if you have any questions at all about the business side of medicine, please, please do not hesitate to send me a message. You can find my email in the description below, or you can reach me directly on Instagram at naturopathicbusiness. Lastly, if you haven't already done so, please smash that subscribe button. All right, now let's get to business. Hey guys, welcome back to another podcast. Uh, If you're on this episode, that means you've probably seen or gone through season one, uh, which was all the episodes from 2019. And now I'm excited to say that I am releasing season two, and this is episode one of season two. Uh, These are recorded uh, in 2020. So this particular episode was recorded in May of 2020, and it's with uh, Dr. Carissa Walton, who is a total badass. Um, She went to SCNM, she graduated from SCNM, and she was able to build a mobile clinic in Prescott, Arizona. and in this episode, she kind of goes over, you know, how, how you go about creating a mobile, uh, a mobile business or a mobile practice and then how to market it. And so uh, it's super insightful, especially for students thinking about going this in this direction. Um, and yeah, I, I think you'll gain a lot of information on just how to launch a practice in general. Uh, the other thing is, uh, this recording was in, in May of 2020, so you know it has been a year since uh, since talking uh, to Dr. Walton, and a lot has changed. Her practice has grown tremendously, and I do plan on getting an update from her, uh, and you know the growth of her practice and how things turned out or are you know are changing. So stay tuned for that. Um, and again, for all the future episodes coming up in season two, again, they were all shot in 2020. Um, and since then, all the doctors that were interviewed have had growth in their practice. And so I do plan on bringing them all back on for updates. But for the most part, every episode in season two will be super beneficial for anyone wanting to know about how to launch a practice. Um, so anyway, now let's go ahead and uh, get to this episode, and uh, I hope you enjoy it, guys. We are on. What is going on? What's going on? <laughs> how, are, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? 
I'm good. I'm good. Hey, thank thank you for coming on the show. I know this is gonna be a this is gonna be a super exciting episode because it's it's such a I feel like your your clinic and your practice is is a rarity right now. Like it's yeah, it, but it's it's an up and coming type and style of practice. Yeah, and so uh, I'm super excited to dive into it. That's what I believe. It's, the it's a, yeah the it's the future. future. Yeah. For absolutely sure. yeah house calls but it's funny because they it's it's like you're doing the full circle right like so traditionally mm-hmm. like in the olden days maybe 1800s i don't know uh doctors are doing house calls and exactly. then they they moved from that model and now it's like it's starting to come back which is really wow. cool it's old school meets new school that's what i always say there like, you go I still have my old school doctor bag i might grab it and show you yeah <laughs> you're, you're uh started with just the bag so I feel like I've earned the old school kind of title too there you go. you're yeah. a medical hipster <laughs> <laughs> that's the first time I've ever been a hipster but okay yeah. <laughs> no. um, so just before we begin the the questions uh if you can ex- say a little bit about yourself where when you graduated uh where you're from and then where you're practicing awesome well, I'm Dr. Carissa Walton. That's way too official, so I go by Dr. Carissa. All my patients call me that. Yeah. Um, I'm friends and family call me Dr. KJ. Uh, but I'm originally from Arizona, born and raised, which is pretty rare. Most people are transplants in Arizona. But I was born in Phoenix, grew up mostly in Tucson, graduated from the U of A, then came back up north and went to SCNM, and I graduated in 2018. So uh, I was the December class of 2018, and I started practicing up in Prescott uh, in April. Uh, That's when I got my license and started a clinic here, and then I was there about three months and decided that it was time to take a different path, and that's when I started my whole mobile health journey in July of last year. And then I was literally doing house calls, like I said, with my old school doctor bag and boxes, like (laughs) things, like action packers full of medical gear. And then in the, in the background, I was working on developing this wonderful mobile facility here and um, got that all up and running in October. So we've been fully operational in the van for just over six months or so was that six eight months something like that so there's been a it's been a long process and it doesn't seem like it from the outside looking in but it's just been day-to-day grind ever since then just figuring out all the ins and outs of having the mobile medical life because I didn't really have anybody it hasn't really been done to this capacity uh so it was definitely a learning experience and is still every day I'm learning something so it's absolutely fun. absolutely so are you from uh Prescott is that where no, you I'm not. I just I just absolutely love it up here I love the culture I love the people it's very outdoorsy I've always okay. been an outdoorsy kind of girl so my husband and I would come up here and we'd go camping and and things like that and it's every time I could escape from the school <laughs> part I would just come up here and go camping and find a place to pitch my hammock and study or not yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just unwind exactly and this was this is I always tell people this is our 
our happy place. And we okay. just, once we started visiting up here, we just realized that this is home and we wanted to be here. So this is where we want to plant our roots, even though I'm not very good at planting my roots. Obviously I have a van for an office, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we live up in the mountains and we love it. We get That's to get awesome. up every day and look out in the trees and it's beautiful. So, yeah. so after graduation, it, it sounded like you, you fell into the brick and mortar style practice. Uh, mm-hmm. Was that in Prescott as well? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so, okay. So you had, you already had this idea of where you want to practice, where you wanted to practice, which is super important, right? Cause you want to, you want to make sure you're going to be practicing in a state or a city that you absolutely love and you like right. being there. The community right. is great and all that stuff. And I had been coming up, I didn't mention this, but I'd been coming up about a year prior and I was doing offsite shifts at oh. the same clinic. So that's kind of how I set myself up to be able to just naturally shift into working at the clinic. So I was doing, you know, our clinical offsite shifts um, up here. So Okay. So you were, you were basically like shadowing or working in a, in an office there, creating that relationship while you were in school. So that way, after you graduated, it was a lot easier to transition into that position. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is good. I think a lot of students should be, should definitely start looking into practices to to yeah. make that relationship with. And it was nice because I already knew some of the patients and, you know, they knew my face, they knew me. I had already talked with them and assisted the other doctor and whatnot. So it was just a nice natural progression. And some of those patients have actually stayed with me through the whole journey from wow. me being a student to me practicing at that clinic to my mobile clinic. And so it's, it's been really cool to have that relationship with them. Yeah, that is cool. When, so you went into this brick and mortar practice. What was it that made you change from that model to the mobile model? Like was, did you, um, did you always have that in the back of your mind or was it something that you got inspired? I, by? I always had it in the back of my mind, but I don't think I realized exactly what I wanted to do. And then one day it, it literally clicked for me. Um, but it, it went way back and I just recently wrote this story up and I'll be posting it soon. And we don't have to go into all the details, but it went way back to what actually got me into naturopathic medicine in the first place, which was helping with the treatment of my mom who had stage four colon cancer. And so she decided that she was going to partake in this lovely journey that you and I are both part of in naturopathic medicine. And Uh, she was doing a lot of intensive therapy and eventually it got really difficult for her. It got difficult for her to go in to the practice and receive care and whatnot. And so I had to care for her at home. And so that's where it kind of started to click with me. And I thought, huh, it would be really cool if the doctor could just come to our house and give her these IVs and give her, you know, some of the other therapies that she was having. And he even joked one time and he's like, oh, I can fly my plane out to your house. There's a landing strip out there kind of thing. Um, But that was where the first idea kind of came from. And for a while, I thought I wanted to actually specialize in oncology because of that. And so I have a lot of integrative oncology background. And because of that, um, I, I end up having some form of cancer patients 
throughout my journey. I don't just do oncology by any means. I actually do more pain management now. Um, but when I was working at the other clinic, I had a few cancer patients and there, one in particular, what really stood out for me and he was having a really hard time getting into the clinic and he was, he was so loyal though. I mean, he would show up, sorry, I got something in my eye. He would show up almost every day for his appointments um, or every day he was scheduled, but there were some days where he couldn't, he just, he was weak, he was tired and he couldn't make it in. And so there were other patients that were sick and they couldn't make it in. And I was, I was starting to get like, huh, I just want to go to them, you know? And I just, I had this whole premonition or whatever. Of, and I also remembered back and how my mom struggled with that same thing. And so it all started to come full circle. And I realized that I needed to go to them. And this was kind of my call because of my experience working with my mom. I used to be a caregiver. So I have that hands-on experience. There's a lot of elderly in our community, so I can serve the elderly that need that home care. You know, I'm not going to be there 24-7, but I do spend more time with them when I go to their house, and I'm able to get acquainted with their family. So anyways, long story short, that's kind of, that was the connection that yeah. I made that made me realize I have to get out and do this. It was like, it was within me. It was my calling, I felt like, and yeah. I was just drawn to do it. And so I also was, for my personal health and happiness, I wasn't happy being in a clinic. I mean, they just had one little exam room for me and I didn't have a desk and I have, you know, anything. It was first year blues, right? You're right out of school and they're just trying to fit you in where they can kind of thing. And so I was like, man, I'm not happy. The only time I'm happy is when I'm with my patients and I wasn't happy with the rest of it. I wasn't happy being locked up in this little room. But what that made me realize is that I don't need that much space. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. it was kind of, it was kind of cool because I was like, wow, I have all of my supplies right here or in a couple cabinets, you know, out, out in our little common area, you know, where we'd prep IVs and whatnot. And so I was like, huh, how do I do this? So that's how I just started to come together. <laughs> and I was yeah. Like, okay. This is this is where I'm going. This is what I'm doing. That was and like the, the in, at that point. So yeah, <laughs> that was like the initial design, right? It was like your, yeah. your tiny office. Like, huh? My tiny office, my desk. I had like this little tiny desk. I should share a picture of it sometime. Like this is where I started at this little tiny corner desk. Wow. And an exam room. You know, that's all I had. And yeah. then a couple cabinets. So I was like, hmm how do I go to the patient and supply them with everything they need? But still, I love all the latest and greatest of tools. Like I've got a portable ultrasound that's like literally this big and attaches to my iPad and Hulk, I've got a portable hyperbaric chamber in here. Like I love that stuff and I wanted to continue to use those tools. And so it's just been trial and error figuring out how to design the clinic and how to fit every single thing that I feel is necessary for optimal yeah. care. So, yeah. yeah. Wow. What sure. did... I mean, there's more, but it's yeah. like the quickest version I could give you. Yeah, that's great. I think that's a great story. Uh, it shows where your inspiration came from, which is important. Mm -hmm. um, 
so what did that transition look like for you like was it you know did you draw up an idea or a plan yeah start looking into van like like what did the just started researching the heck out of it (laughs) okay so um i i drew it up i drew up kind of what i was envisioning tried to you know you always got to try to put your ideas to paper that's always step one and then so you have the vision put it to paper and then research. So that's kind of how I started. So I started researching um, just all around the United States because it was kind of a rare thing. You know, there's there's mobile blood blood draw units, there's mobile x-rays now. I've heard of mobile gynecology, which was the closest. I actually modeled this off of a, a gyne van mm-hmm. um, or mobile unit, I should say. Um, but that was really the closest that existed to my knowledge. And so, uh, I talked to several different companies around the U S and was trying to price things out. And at first this, this place that I ended up going with to do the build out, I didn't find them right off the bat. So I had to dig a little deeper, but they're actually in Phoenix. And so okay. it was really nice because, Uh, I was able to go down there and work with them, you know, one-on-one and they're just magnificent people and hard workers. And it was cool because I felt like I was still kind of keeping it local too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's where the van was built was in Phoenix. It was it, was it their first medical van build? No, they, they actually do a lot of medical vans. Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, so they had just finished the first day where I went and met with this guy and he thought it was crazy with what I wanted to do, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> now we've become like pretty close through the whole process, but yeah. just like, what you want? Like we build medical vans, but what? Yeah. <laughs> like he, he kept calling when I told him I wanted to put, I was like, I need to make sure the generator can supply a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. And he was like, Oh, what you want a bariatric chamber? And all <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's hilarious um but he so when I first met with them they had just finished the gynecology van that day Mm -hmm. so I got to walk in there and I was like oh it was like you know because you have it in your mind of what it'll look like but then you actually walk in and I can't even remember like I will always remember I should say like my heart was just like oh this is it like yeah there's more but this is like what I was kind of envisioning at the time, I didn't even realize that that was a thing. So it's yeah. cool to see it. And they had just happened to finish it that day. And I got to walk in and like feel what it was like to be in the mobile clinic. So that's so awesome. What, yeah. what kind of, uh, you know, after you drew up these plans, um, what was the, the budget like for, for everything? Like, were you, were you, did you have a certain budget in mind and... Yeah. So I am not one for having a lot of debt. I try to do everything um, within my means. And so I had actually saved a portion of money that I had set aside for starting my practice. And so I wanted to do everything I could within that budget. And I actually did meet it. I do think there's more that's required because, because I kept it within that budget, I've had a lot of expenses Mm -hmm. um, since then because I bought a used van instead of a new van, which 
I would not recommend doing now that it's all said and done because you don't know when something's going to go wrong. And as far as the actual inner workings of the van, nothing is under warranty. And so you have to really budget if you're going to go with a used vehicle. Um, and that's something I knew, but I wanted to kind of grow into it. Yeah. So I had my set amount and I was like, I'm going to keep it under this. And I'll just disclose that I had set aside $150,000. That's okay. what I set aside. So that's what I wanted to stay within budget to include the van, the build and the equipment. So I didn't have enough. I knew I was going to have to make the money as I go with the practice to support all the other expenses. So I kind of just, I actually had a state my, so my husband's a fighter pilot and he's very into like very meticulous planning. And so he helped me develop different stages of my planning. And so had like, I think it was four different stages and like how I was going to make these certain goals along the way. Um, He's like, you have to put all these plans to paper and like actually have a, a specific plan. Yeah. Yeah. Everything you want to do. So he helped me with that side of it, um, with developing my plans. And then I just started chipping away, literally one box at a time, check off, check off, check off. Um, and at the same time, I was still seeing patients um, in a mobile capacity, but with my doctor bag. And so that was helping me to kind of, cover expenses. Yeah. Um, I just had set, I wanted to make sure that I could use the money that I believe I was given for the practice to be able to at least get it off the ground and get it up and running pun in, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's what I did and I made it work. Yeah. I would say if someone is looking to get into this and not have all the stressors and the you know, just trying to make it by like I did, I would say budget at least 200, if not 250, um, because that's more realistic. And I was really surprised that I was able to do it with what I had. And I think it's just because I was already practicing at the same time. So that's how I kind of made up, you know, cause I had yeah. a lot of experiences early on, but, um, cause a sprinter van, like a, this is a, uh, Mercedes Sprinter 3500 long wheelbase and that's what you want because that's going to maximize your space it has the high roof so you have at least six foot of clearance and then it's about I think it's about 14 feet long as far as like the clinic goes you definitely want to maximize that and those vans now new I think run for somewhere from 50 to 60 um, thousand yeah you want to make sure you take that into account if you're looking into starting a mobile clinic. Yeah. Um, it just depends on what you want though. You yeah, know, for sure. Our, our friend, uh, Dr. Marcus has just started one in an ambulance. And, um, so he kind of has been coming to me for advice and whatnot. And he, he doesn't have all of the different capabilities in this van. So it just depends on kind of what you're looking for. If you can lower the budget on the vehicle itself. Yeah. But so I plan on I'd say 60 for the van mm -hmm. at least 60 for the build um, just hard costs and yeah. that doesn't include any of the the equipment okay so. yeah are you so what's your primary focus I know you're you're you know general medicine like a PCP 
but what because I know you have to take into account like what your niche is when building a van. So um, what's your focus? Well, I, so all through school, I mostly focused on, not all through school. I started with the oncology stuff. Like I mentioned, I went to every single oncology conference and training and whatnot, like even first year, <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. And then by the time I actually got to clinic, my focus was pain. I'm, okay. I'm an athlete, um, very active by nature, um, my husband as well. And so just through our own journey and me loving to work with my hands, very kinesthetic. So I was just more drawn to getting people out of pain and getting them back to doing the things that they love, because that's really the number one thing that usually holds people back I, that I've found is their pain. That's like the first step. So if I can help get them out of pain, then they're going to be more willing to do all the things to have wellness and prevention in the long run. So that's just kind of how it all morphed together. Um, So I start, I did pretty much every single, or every quarter I was in the pain center. Now the Neil Jordan Center for Regenerative Medicine. (laughs) At the time it was PRC, (laughs) pain relief uh, center. so I do, I do regenerative injections. I have BNC, I have a centrifuge behind me. I have an ozone unit. Um, so I do a lot of no, non-opioid yeah. pain management. But I also, I, through treating people with pain, uh, I discovered that there's a lot of neurological issues that go along with that. Mm-hmm. And so I've dabbled in neurology as well and eventually I can see how these two are going to morph together for now I'm just calling it performance because if you optimize your brain health you optimize everything that you do yeah and so I help those high performers out there Um, but I've also studied a lot of like severe neurological conditions like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and things like that and I have several patients with the those disorders as well because I mean hyperbaric oxygen I use it quite a bit for any kind of neurological or recovery and a lot of times if you fix that then they get out of pain you don't need to necessarily go right to the needle you know you don't necessarily need to I mean you want to reduce their inflammation and all of that but you got to fix the brain first sometimes Yeah. Wow. Okay. The root cause, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 For sure. <laughs> and there's no, there's, there's not really anyone that does the neuro in our field. I mean, there's a few that are, are getting there. Like, um, Dr. Mark, I know, is doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the background. I'm kind of working on when I have time. I work on uh, my functional neurology uh, certification. It's actually through the the board of chiropractic, um, but it's a board certification through them yeah. on that too. That's cool. I, I know I don't, it sounds like I don't have a niche, so it might be something I need to work on. No, it's, you do. I mean, you here, have it. <laughs> out here, it, um, Prescott, Prescott Valley, but also we have a lot of smaller communities that I am hoping to really tap into and be able to do community medicine and all of those smaller communities and there's just a lot of underserved people in Mm -hmm. general Mm -hmm. so they need as much care as they can there's indian reservations there's just tons of underserved 
And so this is how I believe I can help them, you know? So yeah. my, I'd say my niche is just being mobile. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily good at just doing one thing. So the way I market it is primary care, pain management, and performance. Those okay. are my three deliverables. Um, yeah. Well, but I'm just still figuring that out as well. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of what I came up with is my three P's. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I like that. I like that. What was the uh, the timeline from start to finish for the project? Like, how much time uh, did it take to like your it's up and running, ready to go, start seeing patients? Um. So July was when I first started. July. So a few months. Um. To really get the actual van done and designed the way <laughs> I wanted it, we went back and forth. I don't know if I mentioned this already, but we went through seven different versions of this with the company until it was like finalized and they could start building. So that took a while. Um, cause I had my demands. Yeah. <laughs> I have to fit this hyperbaric oxygen chamber. Um, and then after that, when we got the van in October, my husband and I did a lot of behind the scenes work. Um, because I mean, everything from the racks, like I have, he custom built, a rack in the refrigerator so that I can keep all my IV solutions. Um, we literally hand cut every single piece of foam and you want me to show you? It's pretty cool. Yeah, let me check it out. I'll show you really quick because it's hard to, so like this cabinet is my medicinary. Nice. Medicinary here. I don't know if you can see it, but we had to, hand cut like every single piece of foam do custom shelves you know like all of my tinctures because i love bot med supplements you know just making sure that nothing moved around um there's straps all over the place got the sharps container back there like but everything you'll see has like straps and everything is mounted so that nothing moves around when I'm in transit, because I don't want, oh, and I got like the world's smallest sphygmo manometer there. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we just had to mount everything and make sure that everything was easily accessible, wasn't going to get damaged. Um, like I have a crash kit in the front too. You can see there. Oh, yeah. Wheels and everything. So if I am going into a patient's home, I can go ahead and just wheel that in just in case anything were to happen. Yeah. Um, and being mobile, you just don't know what you're going to run into in the road. So I'm really big on keeping up all of my training as well. Um, as far as I teach Stop the Bleed classes, I, I most people don't renew their um, ACLS. Always make sure my ACLS is up to date. All of that kind of stuff, just because you don't know what you're going to run into. So yeah. let's, um, let's... It just a lot of thought to think about what I might encounter and how I'm going to make everything fit and, you know, not move around. You don't realize how much that entails until you're actually doing it. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many late nights we had uh, just out here strategizing and mounting and, you know, like I've got all my emergency supplies in the front. I've got toolkits mounted. I've got all kinds of things, fire extinguisher. You want a full size 
fire extinguisher because the last thing you want is for your whole clinic to burn down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just stuff like that, you know, I don't know that people would necessarily think of right off the bat. So whenever it's I wasn't seeing patients, I was always working on the van. So I'd say that process took, I'd say until the end of the year until we finally, like it take, took another few months until we really got everything nailed down mm -hmm. um, where I can, you know, have everything all strapped down. And like I said, late nights till like two, 3 a.m. sometimes. Wow. Like, it was a grind. Yeah, it, sound, sure. it sounds like, uh, first of all, it's a very minimalist approach yeah. to medicine. Right. It's good because then it it helps you like focus in on the, the necessities. But oh. what's crazy is that everyone's necessity and practice will be completely different. So right. that's where like, like you can't just go to someone and tell them all the things that they need in their van or their mobile oh. clinic. It's like, yeah. that's just something you have to learn along right. the way which right. is and i'm sure you're still learning like what oh, yeah. you know what tools what things can, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah one thing you mentioned was uh so you do stop the bleed classes which brings up a very important mm -hmm. topic is like what's your marketing like it, i mean it must be amazing to be mobile because you can be <laughs> literally anywhere and it, it's a very impressive but you know what's well, your marketing strategy like well the van itself is an advertisement <laughs> I have giant, I don't know if you've seen the outside, but it's very bright. Mm -hmm. It catches the eye for sure. And I, so how do I say this? I want to, I want it to keep, I want to keep it local and like really show people that I want to be part of this community. And so everything up here is mostly word of mouth. Uh, there's not a lot of marketing opportunities, so it does take a while to kind of get into the community, and it's like one thing leads to another, and you end up talking to this group or that group. Um, so it takes a lot of work initially up here, at least. So like you know, every every market is going to be different, but yeah. Prescott's kind of old school, still a little bit of cowboy land, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's been... It's been a little challenging to build up my practice as much as I would like. As soon as people find out about it, they're just like, I'm in, you know, like, this is great. This is the future. You know, like I get that a lot. They're like, this is the future. You better take over the market before Amazon does. That's, that's what some guy told me the other day. Oh, that's, like, <laughs> yeah, that's serious. Yeah. Amazon. Yeah, Cause they're already doing um, vaccines. I've heard they're looking into doing mobile vaccines, which, ugh. But anyways, yeah, yeah. <laughs> vaccines for everyone. Yeah. Um, so they're looking at, they're already kind of starting to move in that direction. He's like, no, seriously, like you need to really work on getting the word out more. So I'm still learning that process. And I know that I need to hire somebody that just does that. Um, I'm just not to the point where I'm ready to do that just because I do have a lot of overhead, which I haven't really talked about, but just the, the day-to-day -day operating expenses, like it adds up pretty quick. Yeah. Like you don't realize it, but like a wash for this thing is close to $200. Oh, so wow. it's $179 to wash it. If yeah. you're going to do it right, like if you want it to be presentable and you know, all of that, like just little things, oil changes on the generator, oil changes on the van, maintenance on the van, like gas, generate, running the generator, you know, all of this stuff, it, it adds up quick. So, what's so the... I'm still trying to figure out how to optimize my 
revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, and really getting the word, that means getting the word out. So I, cause I really, my mission is giving access to healthcare you deserve. I really want to be able to give access to as many people as I can. So I was really excited because we just had booked our first event. Like I said, I like to treat the high performers, like the athletes and whatnot. And so we had our first big event, literally thousands of people come up to Prescott for the big mountain bike race. It's called the Whiskey Off-Road Mountain Bike Race. And that was supposed to be a few weeks ago. But obviously, due to COVID-19, everything right now, everything has been postponed. And so I was banking on that. I had my help in line. I had another doc coming up from Phoenix to help me. Shout out to Dr. Greg Jones. And I had a nurse, like, had it all lined up where, you know, we were ready. You know, we're we're getting there for our first big event. And so that's how I'll be able to get the volume that I need. Because otherwise, you know, one house call at a time, you don't realize how much time it takes. Especially up here, everything's so spread out. You know, you have to go from house to house and sometimes one patient will book me way out in like Skull Valley and then another patient will book me way out in the ranches of Prescott Valley or whatever, you know, and I have fees that cover that based on distance, but you also have to kind of meet patients in the middle. You can't say, I'm sorry, it's going to be an extra $500 for me to come to your house. They're going to be like, uh, no. (laughs) So you have to be reasonable. Mm-hmm. And your pricing too. So I've done my best to kind of figure out where that price point is, where I'm still covering the cost. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily cover my time because if you think about it, if I'm driving somewhere and eventually have someone else driving me, I could have that time where I'm seeing a patient. So yeah. I miss out on a lot of revenue that way. And so recently I developed membership plans so that I can have a more constant revenue stream and then patients can have more access to me if they need it. And like, if they need an urgent care visit, you know, they've already, it's already included in their plan kind of thing. And I can see them, but they might not need that every month. So I'm the memberships I think are going to help and definitely the events are going to help. And that's where I'll be able to have more volume. And then, I'm also working on, sorry if I'm rambling about all this stuff, but I'm also working on community health days. We just had our first community health day last Friday, and we just did um, antibody testing, vitamin D injections, and immune IVs, Mm -hmm. and it went well. You know, it's, it was our first one, so a lot of it was like, hey, who are you? What are you doing? And so we passed out flyers, passed out cards, and then we had a busy morning, and then the afternoon, it kind of died down, but it's just, I think it's, it really is consistency. So I'm just going to have to keep showing up in locations, getting the word out and yeah. whatnot until so, I hire someone that specializes in marketing. Yeah. So it, it sounds like a lot of your marketing is, is geared towards ground marketing. So like boots mm-hmm. on the ground, yeah. you're, you're going to vendor spots. Um, you're, you're giving out this course, which is really great. So like you're getting in front of a crowd of people and yeah. putting a plug for your practice in there. I've done several talks too around town. Um, actually tomorrow they just canceled it, but I was scheduled to speak to a local Parkinson's support group. Okay. Um, so I've spoken to them one other time and then a few other local groups have gone and just done, just talking about what I do. Yeah. Doing a presentation. I've taught, I call it field wellness 
um, classes, so herbal medicine, but in the field, like how do you find your herbs? How do you use your herbs safely? Just real basic stuff that's local to the area. Yeah, that's really cool. Like that. That. <laughs> yeah, it's that's awesome. Really cool. I, like, like you saw in my cabinet, I love the herbs. Yeah, I yeah. I wish I could carry more. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, gosh, what are my top like 30 herbs? I think I got like 30 in there, but you're going to need a, you're going to yeah. need a trailer for the yeah. back of your van. To just pull herbs in. Um, <laughs> we'll so, have like a little table where we make our own tinctures. And yeah. Stuff. <laughs> so you, you mentioned, uh, overhead briefly. Uh, yeah. would you mind sharing a ballpark of what overhead is like per month? So that, um, it's, it's changed like that's kind of what I was mentioning when we spoke earlier is um, I have some new expenses because this van is obviously a to me it's a gym and it's very priceless but it also has a high price tag on it just with all the equipment and I want to make sure that it's secure so for a while there was no availability in Prescott it's a smaller town and it was really hard to find a place to park it that was secure and where it would be covered to maintain the wrap because the wrap alone was five grand um, and whatnot. So it's like, I had to make sure it was protected. Yeah. <laughs> finally, just, um, was it two months ago? I just got into a, the business park, a spot opened up. So it's, it's literally what it sounds like. It's a park of businesses and all of the businesses have a big roll up door um, 14 foot or whatever. So I can just back the van in and I have all of my supplies, um, all lined up and organized on the shelf, uh, or shelving, a whole wall of shelving. And so every day I come back based on my checklists, which we haven't talked about yet. Checklists are very, very important. Um, so every day I come back and I restock. So that was an additional cost because I have to pay for the, the rent at this facility. Mm-hmm. Also the DEA does not like mobile, just FYI. Um, oh, so really? they require you technically to have a location, like a physical location where you practice. And I'm not allowed to practice medicine in this business park, even though this is my business. There's a lot of legal like loopholes you got to kind of go through, which is not fun. Um, so I have a practice, I have a location, an office location too. And that's where I receive all my shipments, you know, medications, supplements, all that stuff. Um, I'm just working like partnered up with a local clinic. It's a family medical clinic. And so I have space there and work out of there. Some patients just don't want to do the mobile thing, to be honest. So if, if you can turn those patients away or you can choose to have an actual office like I do. So I'm there one to two days a week and I see patients, you know, just like in a regular office. So that's an expense and that's going to vary just depending on your area. Yeah. Uh, insurance is really expensive. Uh, you have to have your standard malpractice insurance. There's only one company to my knowledge that specializes in quote unquote mobile medical insurance. Um, and I got a quote from them and I was like, mm. yeah, I bet. I bet. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do this because they have a monopoly, you know, and they just, they'll charge you whatever they want and so uh it was really expensive I don't even remember the number off the top of my head Mm -hmm. Um, so it's it was difficult to find someone to cover this because you have to have your standard auto insurance as if you were in a a collision 
you have to cover all of your medical equipment unless you know you're going to take the risk of losing thousands upon thousands of dollars of equipment if you're in an accident like that's a realistic thing so you have to have an inland marine policy you have to have additional liability based on if someone were to get injured in the van Mm -hmm. um so that's a big expense and i was looking into adding another driver for me the other day and just to kind of give you a ballpark um it was and through September, so about like three, three, four months, they were going to charge me an additional 1500 just for an additional driver for three months. So if you calculate that, that's, what is that, 6000 additional per year to add another driver. Yeah, wow. Let's just add another driver. So if you're going to do things right, which I do recommend, um, obviously, uh, you can just kind of be in that gray area of, hey, I'm mobile, or you can actually have the proper insurance. And I'd have to look at what I paid total because I don't have that number for you. I'm sorry about that. But, no worries. No worries. Um, just that's something to take into account. Yeah. So, I have USAA, so I went through them, um, and they actually couldn't cover it. So they had to find a third party for me that would cover it. Um, so it's a commercial subsidiary, if that's the word. It's a part of Progressive, but it's a smaller company, and they were willing to to cover it. But yeah. it took a while. That was that was a that was a pain <laughs> to yeah. um, figure out, you know. But well, okay. yeah, if anybody has questions and needs more like specific numbers, I can always get that for them if they want to just reach out. For sure. Instagram or or whatever. Yeah. So it it sounds like, you know, overhead is, you know, obviously upkeep of the van, mm-hmm. you got gasoline, you got mm-hmm. medical supplies, you got the storage, if you're going to keep your van safe, and also a place where you can restock stuff that's mm-hmm. convenient. Yeah. And then because of the DEA issue, you have to have a, like a brick and mortar practice. Brick and mortar. I think there are some people, so back when I was getting started, I was talking to, um, Dr. Rachel, Dr. Mm-hmm. Rachel Hasselbrock, cause she does, you know, the house call thing just out of her, her Jetta or whatever. Yeah. She does. Yeah. Um, so she said she ended up getting away with listing her home, I believe as, is a, pra- as a practice. Yeah. As her practice. But to me, that's kind of sketchy. It's kind of a gray area to be honest. Like I just didn't want to do that. I don't want my home being associated with the practice uh, just for many reasons. Mm -hmm. So you might be able to get away with doing that if you have a secure place to store it there. And I think that's what Marcus is doing. Um, But I, um, yeah, I recommend definitely having a set place where you can store it and a set place where you can practice just in case, you know, since this is kind of a new thing and it's a gray area, I just want to make sure I have, you're covered and like my my eyes dotted and my t's crossed and i want to make sure that i'm doing things right if i ever get inspected because to me it's only a matter of time you know there are fda all of these other organizations are already cracking down on us just for being nds let alone once they see oh this girl's got a whole clinic on wheels like so i just want to make sure that i do everything i can to make sure that covered there and that's another thing you got to think about is making sure you have a place like I have a whole wall here 
of mounting all of my legal documents. So mm-hmm. I have my license, I have my certificate to dispense, I have my transaction, my TPT license, blah, 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 all that stuff. Yeah. This is technically my office, but it doesn't have an address unless I have that clinic address. So it's associated with the that, clinic. Yeah. 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 And so I think that that's justified. If, if I were an inspector, you know, that's what I would want to see. Um, otherwise, I think it could get kind of a little, little sketchy if, For if sure. inspected. So sure. I would still plan on having a brick and mortar of some sort where you can legally practice medicine just to fall back on. Mm-hmm. And then to me, the, the mobile unit is an extension of that, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's based on my research, based on what I've seen, that's kind of the way to do it, just to make sure you're covered. Yeah. I would hate for, you know, any of us to get shut down or fined or any of that, you know. So I just want to be clear that you definitely want to look into the, the legal side of everything. Yeah. Then and that actually brings up my next topic is is uh what is the legal process as far as bringing on a patient? Like what documents are, do you have in place that protect you in the clinic? As far as like what they fill out or. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. If we could go over like the patient um, documents, cause I know you're, you might be entering some of these patients homes. Like, is there certain uh-huh. documents you need to have in place that protect you? And Um. I've done my best to kind of write that all out in the consent, but okay. there's no set form or anything like that that's mm-hmm. required per se. Um, you just have to make sure that you use the right verbiage and it's always best to have a lawyer look over that for you to make sure that you're covered. Um, but I basically made my own consent um, okay. for that just because I couldn't find anything that was like quote unquote required. Um, I think because this is kind of a new thing, it's, there's not a lot out there. Yeah. I haven't been able to find anything. So I just did my best to just include all of that within the initial consents that they sign when they sign up to be a patient. Yeah. And everything is electronic. It's all secure within the EHR. Um, I have to be mobile. So I have an app patients can go to the app and they can do that and it's all HIPAA compliant and, and all that too. You gotta what EHR do you use? I use Charm. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. that one's... I really, I really like Charm. It's been good to me. I looked at several, but just for mo- the mobile capacity that I need, Charm is the best and then they can do your custom app for you and you can kind of pick and choose what you want within that app. Until I can develop my own, which is on the list. I was just talking to someone about that yesterday. But uh, yeah, I I really like Charm. And it it allows us to input all of our extra therapies and whatnot that we offer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The other thing, because I know we're running out of time here, but uh, so you mentioned uh, like a membership fee. What was was your initial payment model? And then like what was the transition like and, and what's been working? Cause I know that's also a learning curve. Like how, mm-hmm. how do I profit or how do I make 
I'll get a good return on my investment and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things you have to look at your demand curve and see kind of where that all starts to line up with what people are willing to pay. Yeah. So I did my market research the best I could and kind of looked at similar models to figure it out. But because most people that say they do concierge or house calls, they don't do it to this capacity. They're not literally going and parking a clinic in front of their house, yeah. you know? So it, I felt justified to charge a little more and I still think I might need to charge more to be honest, but I was trying to make it somewhat reasonable. Um, mm. So I worked the numbers and just sat down literally drafted everything out again, back to the drawing board, back to the pen and paper and calculated how much does it actually cost me to go to. So I, I set it at a 10 mile radius um, from the hospital. Okay, cool. I'd end up saving a trip to the hospital. So that at first I was doing it based on time and time is so variable and yeah. you don't know what you're going to run into and you shouldn't expect the patient to pay more because a road is closed or because whatever. So I just base it on um, a physical location that I know isn't going to move. And so I started calculating that, like how much does it cost me based on my expenses with the van and the generator and all of that? How much does it cost me to go to them? You know, and how much is my time worth? And you have to take a little hit on your time. Otherwise it's going to be crazy, but you got to at least make sure that your expenses are all met. And so that's how I came up with the numbers that I'm charging. Okay. And then it, I charge a little more um, if it's outside of that 10 mile radius. And then it's like every additional five miles is an additional fee. I think mm -hmm. it's an additional, additional $25 per five miles is what I have it set up as. So, cause most places I can safely cover all of Prescott, Prescott Valley and Chino Valley usually within 20. So I felt like that was really reasonable Yeah. To add on a little $25, $50 fee mm -hmm. on top of what they're already paying. Um, so it's, so. so it's a, it's a service fee, which is them being seen by the doc and uh -huh. then basically like a travel fee that you have mm -hmm. in place. I call it, yeah, just a mobile fee. Or Yeah. Mobile fee. Or, um, some people like to call it convenience fee, but yeah, convenience fee, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but and yeah, then now, fee. now you're transitioning towards a membership fee. Mm -hmm. And how does how did you structure that? Like, does the membership fee just does that mean is that additional access to you like virtually uh, or through text and call? In addition, yeah, I, have, I did just a basic telehealth membership. Um, okay, cool. Farm is great because it has a secure telehealth integrated option yeah. built in, which is great, I think. And it, it goes through Zoom. You know, the patient gets their link and all of that, but mm -hmm. you still get to work in the EHR and keep everything secure. Um, so I, um, so you're trying to say, yeah, I just did that basic telehealth membership and that one is $79 a month because I feel like, um, it's not going to cost me anything. I can do it from anywhere. Like everyone's experiencing, you can do telehealth literally anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it, it wasn't a big expense, but it still allowed people to get care. And so I wanted to give somebody or people just a low cost option to be able to get a telehealth call. 
And yeah. I think that one, I have to look at how it's structured. I think that one includes one telehealth a month or something like that. You don't want to give your patients too much access because they will take advantage. Trust me. Even yeah. the direct messaging, like they can direct message you through Charm, through their app. You'll just see the messages start to pop up. So you have to be really careful and you have to get really good at saying, hey, this sounds like you need a consult. Let's do a telehealth for 15 minutes or something. Yep. So that's a nice thing to, to fall back on. And to me, aside from this whole COVID issue that we've all been facing, um, I think telehealth is something that should be exclusive. I don't think you should be tel doing telehealth for everything unless you're charging your full rate because it's still mm -hmm. your time. Yeah. So for me, the telehealth membership and all of the memberships give the patient exclusive access to having that telehealth option. That's just what I thought was, was indicated. Um, but it just depends on how you see it fit. So I can still do telehealth with the patient, but they're going to pay like as if they were in office unless they're on a membership. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So by paying that $79 a month, they get a discounted telehealth rate on all of their subsequent uh, telehealth calls. So say they needed like three calls that month, then it would be discounted. Like one of them would be included and then the other ones would be discounted. Yeah. So that's how I structured that membership. And then I have three levels. So that's like the most basic level. The next level is a mobile membership. That one is 149 and it includes one 30 minute house call a month. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then if they need additional time or additional therapies, then there's a discount, but it basically just includes that. And then the next level is the concierge, which is $2.99 a month. And that one includes a weekly visit, not necessarily a visit includes like one full follow-up. And then it includes like me going to their place because I have several patients that say do hyperbaric oxygen. And that is like, several times a week yeah. yeah so I was trying to figure out how do I help those people because they'll end up paying thousands you know so yeah yeah I just developed the concierge membership so then at least I go to their house once a week and they get their full follow-up every month and then they can do their additional therapies for I think it's like 20% off or something mm -hmm. so yeah, That's why I have it structured right now. I'm still like playing with the numbers. Yeah, pr pricing is one of those things. <laughs> it's difficult. Yeah, know? it's like you can be as creative as you want. Like you could throw in all kinds of little goodies. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's so, and sometimes it's frustrating because it's yeah. like you have to put into account your own value, your times, you yeah. know, how much is your time worth? And then, you know, the, the stuff that you provide your mobile service mm -hmm. and yeah, it, it can definitely yeah. be frustrating. And I think it's something that is always going to change. Like right. you can have one set price structure model, mm -hmm. but over time as you grow, um, as your business grows, like you're just going to have to adapt. Like it just has to adapt. Right. And I think, yeah. you know, being mobile, that's the other biggest component is like adaptability, like mm -hmm. being able to adapt to, you know, not only the the environment within the clinic and the patients that you see, but yeah. the external environment involved with being mobile. Yeah, know. exactly. Uh, There's a lot of different terrain you got to learn to drive over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep in mind how heavy this thing is 
and there's a lot of steep driveways. Yeah, <laughs> <So> yeah. <laughs> I've had some interesting, some, interesting some... entries into people's homes and whatnot. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, like, they'll warn me on the phone or they'll send me a message or tell my assistant. They'll be like, hey, I've got a steep driveway. And I'm like, oh gosh, here we go. <laughs> so I'm like spinning my wheels literally. <laughs> you're, you're a rock crawling van, like just four by four. Well, the van 2.0, um, back when I was getting this build out done, they were building vans for the FBI and they are some really BA. <laughs> Uh, four by four versions of my van and I was just like looking at them and just drooling because I was like oh I can go anywhere in this thing you know? <laughs> that's awesome I really like when I upgrade someday I really want to go for a off-road version that'd be, yeah that'd be awesome and I can really go out in the sticks and help people and that's what I love like I do a lot of medical missions I try to do one every single year um so like Thailand, Tanzania, Haiti, blah, blah, blah. I've gone to several different countries and done medical mission work. Mm-hmm. And so I want this to eventually develop into going out in our own communities and to those really remote kind of places. And yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry that'll be, that'll be really, really cool. Start a nonprofit. Like I got a lot of dreams. <laughs> yeah. Hey, as long as you got them written down and you yeah. got a good timeline and deadlines and stuff, I know. it's so important to have with a dream or a vision you know mm-hmm. and you just have to just keep it's a grind it really yeah. is keep keep your plan stick to it keep your vision and just mm-hmm. check off once yeah time. there's actually there's actually an algorithm it, it's a a dream uh plus a plan equals a goal exactly like you can have yeah. a dream but if you don't have a plan it's not going to go anywhere exactly and that's, I mean, I could talk all day about all the ins and outs of being mobile, but checklists and plans are huge. Yeah, so for sure. I, so like I mentioned earlier, my husband is fighter pilot mm-hmm. and very, very thorough with this stuff because if he makes one mistake, he could die or a bunch of people can die. So there's yeah. constantly um, people's lives on the line. So he's like, you have to have your checklists. And I listened to a book on Audible called The Checklist Manifesto. It's actually written by an MD. It's really interesting. Um, but that's when I realized the need for checklists. And so I've developed, he's helped me and together we've developed checklists. So I have basically my pre and post flight checklists too for operations, like daily operations. So opening, closing, but beyond that you need um, several other checklists, weekly checklists, monthly checklists, annual checklists. And like I have a book of, of checklists that's really cool if you deviate from the checklist things happen like one day i was like i'm not gonna do my stupid checklist yeah (laughs) i'm tired i drove off and the the cable the charging cable was still i was still hooked up and so i just hear a pop and it like rips the cable and i was like oh crap i didn't unplug before i drove off (laughs) that was on the damn checklist it was on the checklist and i called him he's like i told you you gotta follow the checklist we always talk about it because then you can allow your higher brain bites to work because all of that stuff is more automated too. You don't have to think about it. It's just Ooh, yeah. more automatic. So then you can use a higher level of thinking for things like helping patients and working on complex cases and all that. So, yeah. yeah, I like that. That's a, that's a really good tip because you're right. Yeah. It's like, if you, at least for me, it's like when I don't write it down, it's like I'm always 
running and processing that idea or that thought uh-huh. and it takes up a lot of brain space because it's like oh i gotta remember i gotta remember that and then yeah and yeah if you write if you make like dwelling on it it's just like a reel that just keeps going right <laughs> yeah. so, like just put that to the side put it on the checklist so yeah. So that's cool. another thing. That's another thing that's evolved. That's another learning curve in itself is yeah. what checklist. And I also I have logs where I log everything, like miles, hours on the generator, all that stuff. That's because great. otherwise maintenance becomes a nightmare and you're like, oh crap, I'm over on my generator. Like you could destroy the generator itself, I think was 10 to 12 grand. So you could destroy your generator by not keeping up with the maintenance on the oil changes and oil filter. So just stuff you gotta think about. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm developing. So because I put in so much time and work into this, if anyone is super interested in this, um, please reach out because I eventually want these units to pop up all over the place and I'd love to help, but I also, would love to extend mobile health doc into other areas of the country. So I'm thinking about doing a franchise as well, where I just have everything, all, everything is done for you, you know? And then, yeah, it's in the yeah. works. Yeah, right, now, right now it's more in that idea slash starting to write things down phase. Yeah. So nothing set yet, but I, have been on a few other podcasts and I've had people reaching out from all over the country and just telling me like, I really want this in my community. I've had a few other practitioners reach out and it's just, it's as you've probably learned from listening to all this, it's, it's a really involved process. And so I just think it would be cool to expand yeah. and have like MHD units all over the place. That'd be awesome. Yeah. You're going to end up in the, uh, in- It'll make you more sane because I feel like I lost my mind a few times. Doing yeah. <laughs> so it's like, why not? You know, you're going to, so. you're going to end up in the, uh, the van, the van building industry, I know, like right? constructing vans and, and creating <laughs> protocols and plans. And yeah, yeah. I mean, why reinvent the wheel? You know, if I've done all the trial and error to figure all this out, like yeah. it's be easier, you know, to just yep. be like, Hey, here are your books here you know we built these shelves we did this and of course it could be customized based on what the provider needs but mm-hmm. that's awesome i just think, think it would be a cool way to like really expand and share the knowledge and give more people access absolutely that's yeah. what it's all about mm-hmm. so i know we're 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 running low on time okay. so uh uh one thing i always ask uh is do you have any piece of advice that you would give a recent graduate or a student or a doctor that that's out there um, about, you know, either running your practice or just inspiration? Or what's the biggest thing that you've learned along the way that they might, they might be able to. Some of the stuff I've been saying as we go. Um, The big thing, the biggest thing for me, is not to ever sacrifice yourself, what you believe in, or your mission, your calling, whatever you want to call it. Don't ever sacrifice because although I've learned um, from sacrificing some of that, um, I am glad that I made the choice that I did to just move forward with what I felt was right. And I'm glad that I didn't let certain things, certain people hold me back. 
um, because if I had, or if I'd let all that negative talk, you know, go on or someone tell me, you hey, know, it's not possible or whatever, like that doesn't make sense. Um, then I wouldn't have done what I did. And I believe that this can help a lot of people. So just don't ever sacrifice yourself for anything, for money, for fame, for wealth, you know, well, I said money, wealth, whatever. Just don't ever sacrifice yourself in the process. Don't lose sight of what you love because it's so much more meaningful, no matter how much work it is, no matter how crazy it seems, you know, like just don't, yeah. I'll take no for an answer. Don't just be like, I'm doing this. Like my husband always told me back in school, sorry, it's a long answer, but he always Lord. told me, I was like, man, I just, I can't do this oncology thing all the time. I can't, I can't do just like, I went and shadowed. I love him to death. Dr. Harry Adelson up in park city. He does a lot of stem cells and whatnot. And I'm so honored to be able to, or so honored to be able to go and do that. And I loved what he did. And I was like, I just, I just don't know. I just don't want to just do stem cells every day, you know? And it was like, it wasn't fitting anywhere. And it didn't really make sense at the time. And I just was like, you're going to do something that hasn't been done yet. You know, like you're going to figure out the overlap between all this and you're just going to, you're going to do you. Yeah. So you gotta, you gotta do you and not sacrifice and just no matter what it is. Yeah. hundred percent. I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Be true to yourself, follow your dream, make a plan and then yeah, create a, a goal. Plan. Yeah. <laughs> and a checklist. We can go all day like, oh yeah, let's do this. But until you actually put that pen to paper or however you want to do it and just start mapping on you, out your plan and having phase one, phase two, don't put all of it on yourself early on because yeah. you're going to get overwhelmed. And yeah. I felt that overwhelming buildup over and over again. And that's normal, but just if that happens, redirect, figure out what do I have to do now? What are my priorities? What does this phase one really entail? So phase one for me was what do I need to do to just be able to see patients, legally yeah. see patients, you know? And then how do I get the van? How do I, you know? And it just kind of built. Yeah. Just, you start with that foundation and just keep working. So it's yeah. awesome. Awesome. Uh, for anyone that's wanting to reach out to you and they have additional questions, where can they reach you? What are your best contacts? Um, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm working on the social media thing. So I'm, I'm responsive for the most okay. part on social media. So it's just mobile health doc on Instagram, Facebook, trying to do the Twitter thing. I know I need to, is I started it. I'm not very active on there. I haven't mm -hmm. posted anything. Yeah. Um, but Instagram is usually the best to be okay. honest at mobile health doc. Um, if you're interested in becoming a patient, anyone out there, probably not. Or, you know, my, my business phone is going to be 928-298-3349. Um, so if you want to call, um, and then Kim, she can always get you directly in touch with me if you want to like schedule a time to talk. Yeah. Um, or you can email info at the mobile health doc.com if you want to email. Cool. Uh, but and the, the yeah, websites I'm open to help. I just, I'm, I get busy because I'm basically a one woman show. Yeah, right yeah. Yeah. So I am not ignoring you and I try to get back as quickly as I can. Um, but sometimes things build up. So yeah, yeah for sure. We get yeah, it. I'm Everyone gets it. To help and answer questions. Yeah. Awesome. I know what it's like to be in the struggle bus. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
we all do. <laughs> yeah. um, I think anyone cool. knows the yeah. struggle. So I, I love, love, love what we do. Super passionate. I believe it, like naturopathic medicine itself is the medicine of the future. And it's, you know, it's incredible. Yeah. And we're realizing that more than ever right now, especially with the whole COVID uh-huh. coronavirus stuff going on. Yeah. A lot of people are waking up and like, hey, you know, I need to get into more preventative medicine uh-huh. or taking care of my immune system. So that's really good. Yeah. Um, real quick, your website is the mobilehealthdoc.com. Yeah, I have. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, health doc it's kind of long but it works it works i figured they have to have the because it's a key search word or something like yeah i have a a business mentor yes part-time business mentor (laughs) he's busy himself yeah multiple businesses um but yeah he recommended early on that i put the the in there so awesome it works cool Yeah, yeah it works hey well thank you so much for doing this um thank you for having me it's been fun it's been a journey for sure i've learned so much and i know a lot of people are going to benefit from this information especially those wanting to create some type of mobile clinic or Mm -hmm. even concierge or you know the packaging the way you did that i feel like there's a lot of good information so Mm -hmm. thanks for doing this no problem thanks for having me we will definitely have to do it again and get an update on how you're doing all right sounds good all right cool bye guys guys. we'll see you Hey, thank you so much for making it this far. I hope this show had everything you needed to hear about naturopathic business. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button now. Also, if you have any questions about the topics discussed on the show or about business in general, please send me a message. You can find my contact info in the description of this episode. Once again, Thank you for tuning in to the number one podcast on business and marketing for the everyday naturopathic doctor. I really, truly hope you're one step closer to building the practice of your dreams. Okay, goodbye for now.